0: Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, team. Thank you. Well, it is my absolute joy and privilege to speak to you on this Father's Day concerning our Heavenly Father and His incredible, reckless love for each and every one of us. But first, I want to invite you to think back to your childhood. Remember playing with Play-Doh? And blowing bubbles and learning how to ride a bike or swimming lessons personally. I hated diving. Absolutely hated it. How about losing that first tooth? Do you remember when you lost that first tooth? How many of you still have the picture from that momentous event? Anybody? No? I'm the only one? Oh, my gosh. Really? Okay. I just have to tell you that my dad... Always took out our loose teeth with pliers. Anybody else? Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. You know, lots of memories. Lots of memories. But now, think back to your first impressions of God. What did He look like? What was His demeanor? Uh, for better or worse, was He like your fir- like your earthly father? laying on guilt and fear, or like a teddy bear for whom you could do nothing wrong. Maybe God was simply the main character in a historical story, or an imposing old man with a long white beard sitting up on his throne having completed all his work. That was my impression. That was my impression. Or maybe, how many of you have seen the movie Bruce Almighty? You remember how God was portrayed? The kid standing over an anthill with a magnifying glass. Yeah, maybe that's how you saw or see God. If you grew up outside the church, did God seem to be restricted to church people and all of their rules and strange rituals? Well, J.B. Phillips, in his book, Your God is Too Small brings to light these and many more misconceptions of God that tend to stick with us from childhood, often unconsciously. He writes of those who see God as a big disappointment because they're wanting a world in which good is rewarded and evil is punished, as in a well-run kindergarten. But that's not the way it's going to be because of man's free will sinfulness until, as Philip says, the curtain falls on the present stage, the house lights go on, and we all go out into the real world, heaven. What a day that is going to be. And so, how do we have a clear and accurate view of who God is. We really want to put away those childish views and take God out of the small box that we have put him in, which we only open on Sunday mornings or during Bible study or in times of crisis. How we long to walk with him minute by minute in every detail of life. And it's rather startling to realize That he wants to walk in just such a relationship with you and with me as our loving heavenly father. Think of it. And this is our big idea. We are loved children of God. The same God who created heaven and earth is our father. We get to call him Abba, Daddy. When we reach out our arms to him, like a loved child, he picks us up and comforts us and meets our needs. Unfortunately, many of us tend to live as orphans. There's a cute and convicting poem that says, said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know. Why these anxious human beings rush around and worry so? Said the sparrow to the robin. Friend, I think that it must be. They have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Well, as we know, in Matthew 10, 29 to 31, Jesus explains that not even a sparrow falls to the ground, but that God knows. And you and I, Are worth more than many sparrows. Indeed, we do have a Heavenly Father who watches over us and cares for us as dearly loved children. If you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. What beautiful, beautiful verses. How do you treat a dearly loved child with tenderness and sacrifice, discipline and compassion and patience? Yeah, lots and lots of patience. That is exactly the way God treats us. In the same way that he sacrificed himself for us and speaks words of love into our lives, we must also take every opportunity to speak love and affirmation into the lives of the children around us. And on this Father's Day, it's a good reminder to continually affirm the strengths and the gifts that we see in their lives. Let that affirmation far outweigh our words of condemnation and correction. Our children need to know that they are unconditionally loved, just as God unconditionally loves us. We all have a heavenly Father who watches over us and cares for each of us as a dearly loved child. The Lord's Prayer tells us that God is our Father. It's the first prayer that many of us learned as children, but children don't always get it right. And one child prayed, Our Father who art in heaven, how do you know my name? Yeah, well, God never forgets a name. If you're like me, you forget names. I do it all the time, and it's so frustrating. But thankfully, God always gets our name right. How? Because he is all-knowing God. You wouldn't want a God any smaller than that. You wouldn't want it. His name is the name above all names, so use it frequently. Whisper it. Declare it. Call upon his name and he will hear. You are his beloved child and he has all the time in the universe for you. When we say, as Jesus taught us, Our Father who art in heaven, we see that we have relationship with God as his children and as brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, who is also God's son. The difference, of course, is that we are God's children by adoption. We were not in the beginning with God or created equal with God as Jesus is. Romans 8, verses 14 through 16 says... As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How does it make you feel to know that you are loved by the Almighty, All Knowing, Holy, Sovereign Creator? Does it make you feel grateful, amazed, humbled, rather? hard to believe. You are not just a face in the crowd. Indeed, it's true. God knows your name. I'm reminded of the Tommy Walker song. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls, and he hears me when I call. It's tempting to think that we're just one of the herd. We feel lost in the crowds of people on earth and in the vastness of time and space, how can the creator of the universe actually care about this speck of dust in Southern California, on planet Earth, on the edge of the Milky Way? Many of us feel rather lost in the impersonal loneliness of everyday life, and we wonder how Almighty God could care about us. But he does. He does. He calls out across time and space and speaks your name. Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God wow wow oh that we might know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and that we can never even begin to comprehend that love except through the power Of the Holy Spirit. It's like trying to comprehend how deep and big the ocean is just by going down to Huntington Beach and looking out at the water. We can't, it's impossible. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we are strengthened and enabled to dwell in Christ through faith and then be rooted and established in the infinite love of God. Jesus said in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, than, than that one lays down his life for his friends. That is the incredible kind of sacrificial love God has for each one of us. In the little town of Patterson, California, Philippe Garza, a 15-year-old boy, fell in love with 14-year-old Donna Ashlock, a niece of a member of my parents' church in Temple City. Donna was suffering a serious heart disorder and desperately needed a heart transplant. At Christmas 1985, Philippe told his mother he was going to give Donna the ultimate gift. He said, I am going to die, and I am going to give my heart. To my girlfriend. They thought he was just talking. But on January seventh, nineteen eighty-six, a blood vessel burst in Philippe's head. He died. His heart was deemed compatible and then transplanted into Donna. It is an incredible true story but there is an even more incredible true story. Paul said in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 one will hardly die for a righteous man though perhaps for a good man someone would dare to die but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave us his heart. Karl Barth was one of the greatest theologians of the 20th century. He was a writer of many volumes of heavy theological prose. And on one occasion, he said it was summarized by the old children's song, Jesus Loves Me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. It's so simple. And yet so Profound. It's a truth that our world desperately needs to hear. Amen? Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. John said in chapter 4, verse 19, We love because he first loved us. The old King James Version says, we love him because he first loved us. But him is not in the original Greek. We love because he first loved us. We love him. We love each other. We love because he reached out and loved us first. Gloria Gaither has written, right from the beginning, God's love has reached. And from the beginning, man has refused to understand. But love went on reaching, offering itself. Love offered the eternal. We wanted the immediate. Love offered deep joy. We wanted thrills. Love offered freedom. We wanted license. Love offered communion with God himself. We wanted to worship at the shrine of our own minds. Love offered peace. We wanted approval for our wars. And yet, love went on reaching. And still today, after 2,000 years, patiently, lovingly, Christ is reaching out to us today. Right through the chaos of our world, through the confusion of our minds, he is reaching, longing to share with us the very being of God. Frederick Buchner wrote, You are loved above all things by God. That is the good news of the gospel. And loved, not just in your Sunday best, but loved as you truly are, at your weakest and shabbiest to come together as the people who believe that this gospel is actually true should have us throwing our arms around each other this is the joy that is missing in the church and from our lives indeed the god of the universe does love us we are always on his mind how he must grieve When we do not return his love or when our love grows cold and we take him for granted. I think the reason we do not return his love is because we don't really comprehend how much God loves us. We look at our sinful lives and we doubt that a perfect and holy and righteous God could actually love us. Maybe in some distant, ethereal way, but not personally. Not in our day-to-day problems and our failures. Or worse, we don't even recognize our sinfulness in need of a loving Savior. Which category do you fall in? Perhaps you think your sinfulness has created a permanent barrier between you and God. Or do do your sins seem rather small and not needful of a savior? Do you look to him in daily loving relationship? Or do you take him for granted with a love that has grown cold and distant? We all have these feelings at one time or another. But the good news is that God does love you with all your sins and failings, and he designed you for relationship with him throughout each day. He longs to meet your deepest needs, not just in eternity, but in the muck and the mire of the here and the now. Philippians 4.19 tells us that my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Isn't that what love is? Meeting needs? When you actively love someone, you seek to meet their needs. You look for opportunities to serve them and to spend time together. Unfortunately, We don't always know what people's needs are because we don't ask. Or we get complacent and lazy in showing our love to our family, to our husbands, to our wives, but not God. He knows exactly what we need and he meets those needs at the perfect time as we turn to him. In obedient faith. If we could just begin to get a glimpse of his extravagant love for us, we could not help but love him in return. Just look at how he provides for us through friends and family, not to mention food to eat and a beautiful planet to live on. Lloyd John Ogilvy, pastor and writer, said, I am discovering that to love God is to let God love me. The result has been an unbelievably winsome and joyous experience of daring to love myself as I am loved by God. You can be honest with God about your hurts and hopes and hidden sins. He knows about them anyway. You are his beloved, and he waits for you to come to him and unload your burdens. How different would our lives be if we lived each moment knowing that we are loved and cared for by the God of the universe? He is our provider and our protector, and he has a plan for our lives. You want security, you want hope. Look no further than the love of God. His love will never end, and you can depend on him to meet your every need. The Bible is a love story. God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die for us. You may be sitting here today feeling quite unloved. Perhaps it's been a while since anyone told you that you're loved. Or maybe a loved one has turned their back on you. Jesus knows exactly how you feel. He's been there. His love has been taken for granted by all of us at one time or another. And his love has certainly been rejected by many. But his love never changes, just like we sang. Regardless of how our feelings come and go, Jesus reassures us of his unconditional, compassionate love. It's a love that will never end. Though we may grow distant and complacent, he never does. His love is always near, and he is always attentive. Jeremiah 31.3 declares that God loves you. With an everlasting love. Paul asks in Romans 8, 35 through 39 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, no. Amen. Doesn't that give you hope? Those circumstances and your feelings may come and go. God's love never changes. We see it in scripture. How he loved prostitutes, adulterers, beggars, traitors, and us. We don't have to change and be perfectly good all the time before he'll love us. Instead, we are loved by God and changed for the good as a result. Even so, he will never love us. Never love us more than he does right now. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more and better yet there's nothing we can do to make god stop loving us god loves us not because we're lovable but because he is love how he delights in us and rejoices when we love him in return let's say john 3:16 aloud together, placing your name in the blanks, for God, say it with me, so loved Kathy that he gave his one and only son, that if Kathy believes in him, Kathy will not perish, but have everlasting life, amen, amen. So as the worship team comes to lead us, I want to invite you to stand and stand on up here, take a moment to be the arms of Jesus, reaching out to those around you, saying to them, "You are loved." Let me see it, let me hear it. <laughs> you are loved." You are love.